Hello, thank you for joining LTC NAC Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Post-Acute Care Nursing, APACN. I'm your host, Amy Stewart, Vice President of Education and Certification Strategy for APACN. I'm here today with Jennifer LeBay, Curriculum Development Specialist with APACN. Jennifer joins us to discuss the basics of preparing for MDS submission. Welcome, Jennifer. Thanks for having me, Amy. Let's dive right in. Jennifer, what steps need to be taken before the Nurse Assessment Coordinator, or NAC, can submit an MDS to the Federal Repository? This is a great question, Amy. Thank you. And I know there are a lot of new staff out there, so I think this will be very helpful. The REI User's Manual, Chapter 5, is going to be a great resource for the NACs on this subject. We need to make sure that, first of all, all the MDSs are completed and tracking forms are completed and ready to be submitted. And it gets a little tricky because of the electronic health records that are used in the facilities. There are many different electronic health records that are used and how that looks in your electronic health record may be different from others. So you wanna make sure you're looking at the MDS that it's fully ready to be submitted. And sometimes it looks like it's in a locked status, export ready, finalized, something that shows this MDS is complete and ready to go. And when we say complete and ready to go, that the tracking form is signed off at Z400. The MDS assessments are complete and signed off at Z400 and Z500. For your comprehensive assessments, the MDS is complete at Z400, Z500, and you have to have V200, B, and C signed off to indicate that the care area assessments are done and the care plan is complete. So there's a lot of steps involved before we even get to create a submission batch that we have to make sure is ready to go. And one of the pieces that's a little tricky with that is sometimes we have assessments that don't get submitted to the federal repository. So for example, if you are working with residents that are in a non-certified unit that do not have the authority for an MDS to be submitted, federally, if you're not a Medicare or Medicaid certified facility, or if maybe your state requires submission, but federally, we're not allowed to submit those assessments. And that is going to be something that is going to be captured within the MDS itself. So we need to make sure that we have a good understanding of A0410 in the MDS, that unit certification or licensure designation. If you have something coded other than a value of a three, which indicates the unit is Medicare and or Medicaid certified and it should be submitted federally, your MDS may not show up in a batch. So if you are looking at your schedule and trying to compare what should be submitted and what shouldn't, and it doesn't show up on your submission list, that's one place that you can look in A0410 to see, do I have this coded correctly? Or should I even be submitting this MDS? And for our newer NACs, you may not have a full understanding of maybe the certification levels of each unit. So just make sure you have that understanding and that you're coding those things appropriately. So that's one piece of it why it may not look ready. Another piece would be 
there are assessments that may be done for insurance purposes, and those are not technically considered CMS-required assessments. We're doing them, for example, Medicare Advantage plans. Several of them want a PPS schedule, so a five-day assessment. You can't combine that with your admission assessment or any other type of assessment because CMS only wants traditional fee-for-service Medicare assessments submitted for the PPS assessments into that federal repository. So we need to hold those aside. There's got to be some way in your software, and again, this is where it gets tricky because there's so many different electronic health records out there. You need to know from your software how to not submit that assessment. Some softwares may have a button that you push that says this is a CMS required assessment or isn't, or maybe you have to uncheck something, or maybe you have to manually remove it if you're creating a batch of assessments to be submitted. So that's even before we get to that point, we need to make sure that all of those assessments are there and ready to go. We also want to make sure that we're submitting the assessments in the appropriate order. Now, you could have several assessments ready to go submitted into a batch to go to the federal repository. But if they're out of order, you're going to get a warning in your final validation report that says that they're out of order. Does that really mean anything? Probably not. But I like to do things clean. So if we have an entry tracking and then we have an admission assessment, we want to make sure that the entry tracking is completed and submitted before we submit that admission assessment. Or if we have somebody who has a discharge to the hospital and then they return and we do that entry tracking form, we don't want to send that completed entry tracking form before the discharge assessment gets sent because you're going to get some warnings when you get that final validation report. Another piece to this that the NAC needs to be aware of, there's a lot of moving parts here, is the timeliness. So we know that we have a completion timeframe for our different assessments, and that can be found in Chapter 2 of the REI User's Manual, but there's also a timeline required for transmission and submitting those assessments to the federal repository. And as a general rule, our assessment transmission must be completed and submitted within 14 days of that care plan completion date for your comprehensive assessments. And all other assessments that are not comprehensive, the MDS needs to be submitted within 14 days of the MDS completion date at Z500. And then for the tracking, our entry tracking and death and facility tracking records, you have 14 days after the day of the event, either the entry or the death, to submit those assessments and tracking forms. So that's another thing to keep track of. When are these due? Not only do we have to keep track of when are they completed, but when do they need to be submitted? And if they're not submitted timely, again, you will get a warning in that final validation report. How we get the batch together and submitted is going to vary, again, depending on your electronic software. So make sure that you have a good understanding from your individual vendor how that works. And then finally, once you have submitted that batch to the federal repository, you then need to get your validation reports and edits from the federal repository. There's going to be an initial submission feedback that shows that the file was received. And then within 24 hours, you will get that final validation report.
And I know we have some great tools at a pack-in to help with that. There is the final validation report, quick facts and resources tool that's available. And then we also have an article, the final steps of MDS management, the final validation report that really goes into all of the bits and pieces with that final validation report. A piece that sometimes gets forgotten after that validation report is retrieved from the federal repository is to go back into the electronic software and review each record that was submitted and update that electronic health record to indicate if that record was accepted or rejected. So rejections with fatal errors would have to be marked as rejected in the software and then reopened and fixed for whatever reason it was rejected unless it was a duplicate assessment. And even some of the accepted records may need some review and possible modification depending on what that warning was in that final validation report. And then it's important to keep that validation report with any notes that you have as proof of submission and acceptance to the database in case there was a question later on. That's a great overview. Thank you. How would this process change if a third-party vendor is responsible for submitting MDSs on the facility's behalf? That's another great question, Amy. And this is, again, unfortunately going to depend on the software that is used and the third-party vendor that is used for submission. So it's important for the NAC to understand the process that is in place in your particular facility. But as a rule, what's going to happen is some third-party vendors, instead of creating a batch of assessments to be submitted to the federal repository, that third-party vendor may submit assessments individually and there's something that must be done in that electronic health record software to submit it to that third-party vendor. Or there could be a situation where the facility creates it as a batch, but then the third-party vendor may take that batch and then submit it on their behalf. So you really have to understand what your particular facility is using. In many cases, with having a third-party vendor, it's going to be that third-party vendor that's going to interface with CMS and getting those submissions done, getting those final validation reports, and any other reports that CMS has available from that MDS submission. So many times, facilities would access those CMS reports through that third-party vendor versus having their own login to get into the CMS reporting directly. So it really is going to be important for that NAC to understand what software is being used, how this is being done, and have this information so they know what questions to ask if they're in a new building or if they're new to the process altogether. Thank you for that. Let's talk about how submissions will be changing next month. CMS is transitioning from keys to iKeys in April. Can you give our listeners a quick overview of the timeline for this transition and how facility staff can prepare? Yes, absolutely. So we do have a, finally a date of this transition, and that is going to be April 17th, and that's going to be a hard date. So some of the things that the NAC should be aware of, if they're not already, is that all facilities should have what is called a provider security official assigned. This is a role that is going to be facility-based and it can't be a third-party vendor. It's going to be someone in the facility who will be responsible for approving any other facility staff 
proper user accounts in iKeys. So you have one or two provider security officials assigned by CMS. Once those folks are assigned by CMS, anyone else in the facility who needs access to iKeys is going to go through that facility provider security official that is assigned, and they are going to be the ones who get them logged in and signed up and a username through iKeys. So this is something that anecdotally we've heard out in the field that it's taking a little bit longer to do that. So it's very important that if you do not have a provider security official already assigned that you get on that. There is a great APAC and blog. What role should the NAC sign up for in iKeys? That will be helpful. There is you know, a lot of information on the iKeys on CMS websites as well. But this is important to get this person in place or these couple of people in place so they can make that designation of who can do what in iKeys. And if you don't have that provider security official assigned, that's going to impact your ability to submit MDSs as of April 17th. So MDS submissions are going to continue under the current process under keys until April 13th. MDS submissions will not be accepted into Keys after April 13th at 7.59 p.m. That's it. If you have not submitted your MDSs up until that point, there's no more submission for the rest of the day on the 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th. We will not be allowed to do any MDS submissions until 8 a.m. on April 17th, and that will be through iKeys. CASPER reports that we received from the usual submission under keys will still be available in keys, but they're not going to be updated with anything that's submitted to iKeys as of April 17th. So those reports are going to move over into iKeys. They're going to look a little different. How you get those reports is going to be a little different from how we did it in the keys system, but those reports will be there live as of April 17th. One thing to note, the payroll-based journal and the e-plan of correction that are currently through the keys system as well, those are going to continue to be available through keys and are not impacted by this MDS transition to iKeys. So any folks that are doing things with PBJ or the EPOC, that is going to continue through keys as it is, and this April 13th through April 17th dark period is not going to impact PBJ or the EPOC. Thank you for that, Jennifer. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Just again, to really remind folks about that iKeys transition, there is still that ability to sign up for that provider security official, but get going and do that because we want to make sure that you don't lose the ability to submit starting April 17th. And again, APACN has so many great resources related to this transition. Members can review the APACN article, Prepare for Keys, iKeys, and to avoid MDS submission failures. And we'll include a link to this as well as the other items cited in the additional resources section of the podcast description. Thank you, Jennifer, for this great information today. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. For more resources and tools for nurse assessment coordinators, please visit our website at www.aapacn.org. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the LTC NACCHAT podcast. 